All right, we're back again, Bucks and Brews here, and uh, this is going to be a favorite of Nick's, and I'm going to just introduce what I'm drinking so he can go to his awesome beer that he has, and then we'll introduce our guests. So, I, again, this week, Rourke Brewing Company, French Toast, Devil Dog Oatmeal Stout, and uh, went back to the McKenzie's Apple Crisp. Yeah. More inventory for break room therapy. <laughs> I forget all the out-of-state stuff. Yeah. Let's say today I uh, went a little special, went to a local place and uh, picked up some uh, banana bread beer from Eagle Brewing. Um, if you've never had banana bread beer, uh, one of my favorites <coughs> is Wells. But Wells makes they, great banana bread beer. Can't find it right now. No. So they were like, hey, we got Eagle Brewing. The funny thing is they're both from England. They both have a pitcher of banana sprouting a beer. And you tasted it. I tasted it. It's really good. <laughs> comparable. And there you go. It's really good. Um, you know, say excited for tonight's episode, right? Everybody, we talk about franchising, how to, how to, you know, I mean, how to buy those big name things. Um, today, I uh, <clears throat> say we have a special guest, Justin Slagle. Um, he, uh, say he'll tell you a little bit about his past. We're going to ask him a bunch of questions. Uh, who, what, when, where, why, how, um, He'll give us insider tips and in trading, and he'll tell us the positives, the negatives of it. So, uh, Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Um, fun fact, though, Justin is actually my cousin. Um, Say, so I just happened to get the better looks out of the two of us, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Justin, uh, are, you, are you drinking anything tonight? Uh, yeah, um, I got a Euphoria Milkshake IPA. Oh, it's from uh, North Peak up in Traverse City. Yeah. Give me pretty much anything happy and bitter, and I'm just going to chug it down. So, Let's see, I, uh, we, we consume quite a few different things. So, um, again, really, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Uh, first and foremost, right, everybody's going to want to know, uh, what franchise do you own, did you own, are you owning right now? Uh, uh, so, I still currently own um, – a subway franchise with my brother-in-law okay so yeah. i mean subway that's that's a huge name that right? is a huge name <laughs> like, it's actually the largest quick service restaurant in the country okay so yeah, yeah i mean uh, you know and that's uh, that's awesome so walk me through it how'd you get started in, in owning how'd you find a subway how did you get started in the, in this journey so um between my brother-in-law and i we were talking about it for a while and started contacting the best way at least for subway is to contact the local business office for the subway most major cities have them um go in there you just start discussing with them and they'll have lists of people that are looking to sell theirs and people are trying to buy them and they kind of act as a middleman between you the buyer and then the seller so once you find the ones that are up for um up for sale you just go through and ask like you can contact with them see what their asking price is and the nice way about how Subway does it, I'm not sure with other franchises, but with Subway, they um, force you to go through like the records of that company and see what their food costs is, their labor costs is, the rent, if it's rented out like a rented place, um, plus any maintenance that they have. So you get a comprehensive breakdown and it's not just like the last three months, you're going back like past 12, 15, 18 months to see basically their historical sales. So that way, you can determine like, is this place going to be profitable? What's the price? Like the one we bought, uh, I say we, cause my brother-in-law and I bought it. Um, the one we bought, the person who was running, it was running it kind of mismanaged. 
and her profit margins were pretty narrow, but we were looking at her numbers and her food cost was way out of whack. Her labor was just absolutely insane. So we knew by going in there, we'd be able to make the adjustments and make it increase that profit pretty significantly. Sure. Um, right. So, I mean, gosh, so, you know, when you say food costs being, being crazy, I guess I thought because it was a franchise, you would just buy the food from, from the, the corporation itself at like a set cost and right, every sandwich would profit the same. I mean, am I, am I wrong here? Um, not, so you're not wrong. We do have contracts with Subway, like the corporate offices as to where we place our orders through. Um, however, they don't regulate what you order. So say, cause everything has a shelf life, vegetables, food, meat, all that stuff has a shelf life. Even the sauces, like you can't keep, an open bag of sauce or open container of sauce for four months. So what was happening, especially in this location, and I see it a lot where they'll be like, oh, I'm not going to buy one bin of lettuce. I'm going to buy six bins of lettuce. Well, if you think that, like when we took over this place, she had probably like 15 packets of turkey that were all going to go bad within a week. And uh, was that kind of stuff where you get mismanagement like that, where you're like, you're not looking at what you're actually selling because when the franchise, you get like a comprehensive breakdown of what sandwiches, each individual sandwich you're selling. So, you know, if you're looking at your books, like, Oh, we only need this much Turkey or this much ham. And that's how you can kind of get your food, uh, your food costs way out of whack by not paying attention to your actual numbers and just going like, Oh, I think we saw a lot of meatball subs. I'm gonna buy extra meatballs. Like, no, like look at your dad and actually back it up with that. And you can get that food cost down to around like the 30, 35% where you're kind of expected to be. Sure. Well, and I would expect, you know, in any given market, you have an idea of what's more popular than something else. So, I mean, Midwest yeah, and, you might like, be really popular with meatballs, but, you know, Southwest, you might not be. Yeah. And that's one thing that like regional offices are able to provide you with. Cause it's not just, you can use them as a resource, not just for your stores. Cause you can look up your own source historical data, but also in the region. And they'll tell you like, these are the sales for the region, which is very helpful. Cause exactly like you're saying, like even here in West Michigan, what sells well downtown Grand Rapids might not sell as well in Jenison or Wyoming. So you kind of need to look at your market because ultimately, I mean, that's your bottom line right there. So if you're not paying attention to that, then you're not going to be able to turn that profit or you're going to see something from a place that you potentially can make $60,000, $80,000 a year in a smaller store to going down to twenty, twenty-five thousand because your food budget gets that out of control. Sure. Um, I was saying that, yeah, like, I mean, that's a thing that most people probably wouldn't look at. I mean, I wouldn't think about that, right? Not owning one, not being in it every day. I just assume, hey, like somebody else is controlling this. Um Right. So you, I mean, you, you've said it a couple of times, like you're in business with your brother-in-law. Um, I know myself, right? Like I, I do, I do, I don't do business with family, but I have my, I have some family in my business and it doesn't always go the right way. So what's it like to do, to do business with family? Um, I mean, do you suggest it to people? What are some things that you need to talk about to get a part? I mean, a partnership in general, whether it's family or not, like what are, what are some thing, advice you can give people that are looking into a franchise with their family? I think primarily is ironing out concrete roles. Um, that's one thing that we kind of struggled with at the beginning 
is we didn't necessarily have like exact timelines for when things were going to be happening and it can lead to an unequitable distribution of labor where if you're sitting here and one of you want to be just the accountant of the group the other one wants to run the storefront of the group that's fine but if you don't lay out those specific roles then what can happen is you can start to kind of lead like seeds of like mistrust or like oh i'm working six seven days a week what are you doing like you know, so you want to hammer down those details with each other. So that way, when you're going into it, you know, like, this is this person's responsibility. This is that person's responsibility. Now, obviously, if you're a partnership, there's going to be crossover in that because that's the whole point of having a partner in business. But if you do have those clear defined roles, then that's going to help settle any dispute because ultimately you say, oh, why wasn't this store done this? Or why should you at this at the store? Well, ultimately you look back and say, well, that's what your responsibility is. If you let me know, I can handle that. But if not, then you kind of got to rely on what you're supposed to be doing and trust that your partner is going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. Sure. Um, so now is your, is your, are you, are you hands-on? Is your subway local? Like uh, I say, I, you know. Yeah. Okay. So you're, we're, so we're, guys, just like we know, again, we're in Michigan, Grand Rapids area kind of a thing. So now do you go, how often do you go check on your subway? Like, are you hands-on with it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Being there pretty much every day, or if not checking on numbers every day to make sure and in constant communication with the staff that is there to make sure that everything is going to be running properly. Well, um, I do think that it's one of those things where like, you don't want to be that person that is on the phone looking at your numbers or saying like, Oh, why aren't you doing that? Like calling the person up right away when you see the moment, something's not done exactly how you want, but you want to keep an eye on that. So you can use that. Not my personal philosophy is not to use it punitively, but to use it informatively because that's how you keep people around, but you know, let them know like, Hey, this is how we want things done. If I'm not here, I rely on you guys to do it that way. Sure. So, <clears throat> here's something that, you know, most people are like, Hey, I'm going to buy into a franchise or I'm going to open a business. I mean, I have, I have a business here and uh, they think they're just going to start cashing checks and they're not going to do much work. What you're telling me, Justin, is this is a lot of work. It's, it's not like you're just <laughs> counting your dollars like Scrooge McDuck or anything. I mean, you're working for your money. Yeah. Like you want to get to that spot where you can Scrooge McDuck it and just sit back and, have an infrastructure in place. But for the first three and a half months we opened, or when we took ownership of the store, I worked, I think out of like the 90 days, I think I worked 87 of them. Like you're going to be working. Now, not every single one of those days is 10 hour days, 12 hour days. But especially when we first took over the place, because we took over a store that was mismanaged. It was pretty much 14, 16 hour days for the first probably month. And I was doing it six, seven days a week. Like those hours add up, whether it's coming in at two in the morning, because that's when you can get in to do some deep cleaning and taking things apart to reassemble them. Or it's going through and just checking through all your numbers and crunching everything. Or even just standing there on the line and working. Because ultimately, every hour you work yourself is one less hour you have to pay somebody to work. So, So with owning a subway, did you, I mean, did you work in a subway? Like, did you know, I mean... Because when I walk in, right, I mean, you got the, the, the buzzers going off and I don't know how to make bread. Like I, I got the basic idea, but like, um, I mean, when you, when you go to buy it, does, does somebody have like a, a training thing for new owners? I mean, do they teach you what to do or is it just, 
here, good luck. <laughs> no, uh, Subway. Well, so going back originally, I started working at a Subway back when I was 15 years old, 14 years old, like sophomore year of high school. Um, worked through there throughout high school. Worked at a Jimmy John's in college and a Subway in college. So I've been making subs for probably 10 years of my life. Like I spent a lot of time making subs before I went into the ownership side of it. But um, Subway Corporate has a training program where you go over to Connecticut for a couple of weeks. And it's a pretty intensive program. Um, they show you basically how to run your numbers, how to calculate all your costs, how to work your employment. You also have to go to local subways in the Connecticut area that the corporate headquarters partners with as training areas. So you don't only get just the classroom, but you also get a hands-on approach. And the owner that you get partnered with goes through not just like how to make sandwiches, because some owners there had never worked at a subway before, never made a sandwich, didn't know how to cut a piece of bread. Sure. But you sit there and that person goes through not only the menu, but also all of the ownership side of things, going ordering things, when to order things, how to turn over your product, how to promote your product, all different avenues that you can kind of try to help get your brand out there more because ultimately you're working at your franchise. You want as much business coming through your doors as possible. So you have to kind of set yourself apart to make people want to come into your restaurant. Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, with coaching and with my wife's business, people look at, you know, the time you're putting in and with coaching, everybody said, Hey, you only work two months of the year. Which Nick and I both coach together, so we know that's bullshit. Um, and they look at the business here and they're like, Well, you're only open Thursday through Sunday, you have three days off. And Don goes, Yeah, that's not, I don't necessarily, like Justin said, I don't necessarily work 10 hour days, seven days a week, but I work seven days a week. Yeah, we'll see. And, and of course, you know, Subway, op- Subway opens at what, like six in the morning, five in the morning, 24 hour subways. Well, there are. If you there are 24s, if you have breakfast, usually open around six or seven o'clock. If you don't do breakfast, usually around nine at the latest. So I mean, it's nine to nine, ten, twelve, fourteen hour days. I know when I worked at Wendy's, there was no breakfast, but we had people in as early as three a.m. Like you know, Justin said he's in at two a.m. because you have to prep everything for that day. Yeah, I say, and I, I mean, gosh, I would. I don't know about a subway. Say the subways that don't have breakfast, man, they're like the worst, right? Like, I can honestly say I've never eaten breakfast. Oh, before. come on. Oh, steak, egg, and steak, egg, and cheese? I've never had one. Steak, egg, and cheese is where it's at. This is, dude, this guy gets it. I guess I'll have to try one sometime. <laughs> I've, I've never eaten breakfast in Subway. So, right. Um, now, are you looking to, you know, before I give everybody the, the, the free place, are you looking to grow and expand your, your places? Yeah, I'm still looking at potential places to expand into. Right now with all the COVID stuff, it's it's super tricky to try to find like the right buy because different franchises, and I'm sure everybody's seen, if you go to your local Subway, McDonald's, Burger King, they're constantly renovating their look. It's not the same look for 15 years. They keep changing it. And Subway is the same thing. So right now they're in a remodeling phase. But with COVID, that's kind of been kind of puts the back burner. And some of the some of the ones you'll see there, Eat Fresh stores, they got a new sleek metallic design with green and gold all over the place. Like they look really nice. And you get some of the older ones that are still kind of that Tuscan villa look to them. <laughs> but right now with the COVID stuff going on, it's hard to find like that right purchase area for it because people that are looking to sell are usually the ones that were kind of hit harder with the COVID 
shutdowns and closings and limitations that that brought on with it. So you have to try to negotiate a fair price for them, but also understanding that if you buy a $150,000 franchise, that's cool. But with the COVID restrictions in place, are you gonna, when are you gonna start making that money back? Where two years ago, that store might've been worth $150,000, but in this current economic climate, that store might only be really worth 75. But is that owner gonna take a loss on that property to get rid of it? Or, you know, you gotta try to find that balance. So there's not, unfortunately, there's not like a nice neat bubble to put that on. It's varies person by person. And that's one of the things with franchises is you're not dealing with a corporate entity. You're dealing with like one of you guys. If you guys had a subway, I wanted to buy it from you. It's me talking to you. It's not me talking to corporate to get it. It's me and you coming to an agreed sale. Sure. So it's definitely a tricky thing. And right now, in my experiences, it's not great unless you had framework in place to buy before all the shutdown stuff happened. So, so the I was just at Walmart in Granville, um, and noticed the subway there is shut down. Right, it's closed, and I mean, so of course everybody's like, "Hey, I want to buy a subway." So um, right now that and when I used to go in there, the lady was always behind the counter, and she's like, "Oh, I'd sell this place and go back to being a doctor." And so, but now you know, I mean, she she, you know, now how do I find her? I guess right, like so. And do I have to, do I have to assume her contract with the Granville Subway, like in the in the Walmart there? Like how did how does that work? I mean, I know you said I can go to uh, to the board, like a local board area, and find that. But like, do I have to say how how would I go about purchasing that one specifically? So that again, you go to the regional business office, and you would let them know, like, hey, I'm interested in purchasing the subway. Um, I've talked to the owner over at this one. She says she's interested. Can you get me in contact with her? Ultimately, they want to go through the central office. So that way, everything's done legally. It's all contractually binding. You know what you're getting. And that's one of the things where she might say, like, oh, I want to sell this for this price. And, oh, we make this much money. Well, yeah, the corporate office is going to make sure that what the numbers that she says are actually backed up by solid facts and figures. Um, it's a great way so that way people don't get burned on it. You know, a hundred percent what you're getting yourself into. So when you file taxes, you have to file them, I guess, what, like with your accountant plus with the corporate office or, I mean, no, you still file your taxes just normally all your data gets as you, every week you have to submit your, your sales reports every month you have to submit more sales. So like you're constantly submitting data to the corporate office okay. and they're checking in on that. So your taxes are still done by yourself because ultimately you're independent from like, if I do something at my store and somebody wants to sue, they can't go after like the corporate subway. They come after my personal one. Sure. So you file all that stuff personally with your accountant and handle that all in-house as well as like payroll and everything. So I know with, you know, especially with COVID, everybody wants to support small nowadays, which I'm very thankful for. I have a small business, you know, we're only here. Um, and most people will say franchises aren't small, so don't support them. But, you know, with certain franchises, they are still small. I mean, you know, you are, you're supported by Subway, but you're still on your own. Yeah. I mean, if you, depending on the franchise, but with Subway specifically, like every dollar you spend on my shop is money in my pocket. Like it, I do have to pay royalties and, um, 
like ad fees and things like that to Subway corporate because I pay zero for advertising for my business out of my own pocket. It does come from my sales. So I'm not, it's not free, but it's all in the contract with Subway about how much of my, each dollar I get is going out. But then again, like I said, that pays for all, everything you see in the store, that's not hardware, it's paid for by the, they send all the POP, the point of purchase stuff, all the updates to the software, everything that we roll out is rolled out through that and paid for through all our royalties and our fees to the franchise. So um, I, I, I really want to hit on that. That's huge for me. So when you were saying every, you know, for every dollar, they take it. I mean, is it general, like wh- whether your store makes 20 grand or makes a hundred grand, they just take the same percentage out of every dollar of, of money made. Yeah. And I don't want to get into specifics because nope. of, kind of like disclosure issues nope. there, but each fran- not each franchise, like Subway with their franchises, it doesn't matter if you're a million dollar store or a $20,000 store, you're going to get X dollars, X percentage is going to be taken out for your royalties yeah. Flatline across the board. So if you make a hundred thousand dollars, you're not going to get taxed any more or less than any other franchise. Sure. And that tax might not be the right, right word, but get the concept yeah. of that. So yeah, no, that, that's awesome because I mean, like, yeah. it, 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 you know, the, you're the, incentivized the, at that point to make more money because you're not losing anything else. So if I make, what, well, let's just throw numbers around because Nick and I 5%. like numbers. So yeah. if I'm a fifty thousand dollar store and and they charge me five percent. If I'm a hundred thousand dollar store and they're still charging me five percent, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't. My my incentive is to make more money. Yeah. Now, so, gosh, that brings us to so many. But so now, you you kind of mentioned, hey, if I'm going to go buy a hundred fifty thousand dollar store versus a seventy five thousand dollar store, right? Um, the the corporate offices and all that. Like, what type of financing is available for purchasing a franchise? Um, you know what what. If there's if there's financing, how do I qualify for it? What is you know what is my step as a new person wanting to get a franchise? So with that, unfortunately, like Subway doesn't offer like the financing through their corporate offices because each one's independently owned, and it would kind of lead to some maybe not ethical business practices if they're determining the value. Because if I want to sell my store, I determine my price for it. Just like if you want to buy a house or sell a house. Ultimately, you're the person who sets that price. So if you're looking for financing, you have to go through a lender or go talk to your local bank or a credit union, things like that, where you would normally apply for a business loan. Okay. Um, that's the best way to do it. And when you do that, they're going to ask for the profitability of the P&Ls, the profit and loss sheets for that business, because the bank's not just going to give you $75,000 just because you have a good idea. So you need to go and show them that this business is profitable, this business is worth the money that I want to buy for. Yeah. Well, and I know starting a business, you can pretty much figure out for two, three, four years, you might not be profitable. Buying into a franchise, I mean, are you looking at that same time frame of I'm not going to be profitable in two or three years? Or does that accelerate because you're buying into a proven model? Yeah, the the startup cost doesn't hit you as hard. You start to pay like the the rent or the, the business loan, things like that. And all your monthly costs, because we have on in a Walmart in uh, Wyoming and we get hit with a monthly rent charge from them, which is based off a percentage of our sales. But then oh, really? we also pay. Yeah. That's yep, cool. Some places do like some places rent based off the production of percentage of sales. And then um, what they'll do is kind of a tiered system based on your sales. Again, I don't want to get too much. I can't nope, nope, no, that's, that's fine. That. 
But yeah, it's kind of a tier thing. But you also have to think of other costs where like them taking care of the driveway or the parking lot. Yeah. Like, that's all stuff that you end up paying for the heating. But with the getting back to making a profit on the business, it really kind of depends on what you're taking over and what you're getting yourself into. So with the new remodel going on, if you want to buy this big franchise from somebody, but it's still the older model, well, you have to understand that you might buy that for $250,000, but you're also going to have another $150,000 put into the remodel because it's a big business. You have a smaller one, obviously the cost goes down. So that would kind of play into it. But usually if you want to work in the franchise, you can kind of start to see a little bit of profit where you're not going to kind of like, you're not in fear of losing the business, but you're not living lavishly yet. But if you want to pay somebody else to work in your business, then that's going to take you a lot longer because if you're paying a manager to come in and they're going to make $35,000, well, that's coming out of your profits right there. So if you want to take the time and put back into that business, if you buy a shop for $80,000 and you work it hard, that first year you aren't going to break even, but you can start to see in usually about one and a half to two and a half years, you kind of get to that spot where you're starting to turn a profit, you're paid off for everything. And if you don't want to work it, you're going to see that kind of extended out to three, four, five years, just because that's a pretty big chunk that you have to pay somebody to constantly be on call for your place. So when we're looking at insurance costs, because I know with our business, our insurance cost is astronomical because, you know, they figure that we're dangerous. I'm going to burn down every, I'm going to burn down every house is what they always assume for mine. Right. So how bad is insurance, you know, for a franchise, like, you know, a restaurant? um, The ones that we have, which inside of a Walmart, the insurance isn't terrible because your threat of robberies, people breaking stuff, it's just a smaller threat because somebody will have to go into Walmart and target your store specifically to do the damage. So the taxes or the insurance, excuse me, isn't anything outrageous. It's, I don't want to say it's like, you can just ignore it, but it's nothing as significant as we looked at some uh, standalone businesses, like standalone stores. And when you get into those ones, you kind of see like the taxes go up significantly because again, at Walmart, we don't have to, we're not liable for customers in the parking lot. We're not, we don't have a storefront that people are going to break necessarily. But if you have a standalone store, that's where you kind of see the insurance go up a little bit higher because there's just more of a risk associated with you it. You mean to tell me that people, when they go rob a Walmart, they're going to not pick the place that doesn't make as much as the Walmart cashier? Like, No, it's weird, right? Like, that's surprising it, to, to be me. Honest, huh? like, somebody, if somebody wanted to, they want to come by. Like, here, have a macadamia and a cookie. You can take that and leave me alone. I'm not going to mess with you. <sighs> I uh so I I want to start a I want to start a ATM business so can I come put an ATM in inside your subway? Uh, unfortunately, no. That's a corporate issue right there. That's ridiculous. Any, yeah, well, you put it outside my door. We'll have a little handshake. <laughs> <laughs> so so now corporate right? Like they get to tell you. I mean, get to tell you what goes into your place. I mean, um, now so you mentioned like having to update. Now do you have to update? And now do you have to go to their specs? Like corporate tells you, you can't have an ATM. I mean, so, like there's certain things that they set for you. Uh, yeah, they do have guidelines that what can and cannot be in the store. Okay. Ultimately, and the nice thing about Subway is you determine everything for your store. Um, now there's things like third party things that you can't put in your store. 
that's just kind of gets their guidelines. But when it comes to the remodel, they want a uniform look across it. That's why if you go to, again, any other franchise restaurants or any other Burger King, McDonald's, those kind of places, when they do a remodel, every remodel is pretty much the same across the board because they want the same experience in Grand Rapids, Michigan as like Tucson, Arizona. So you have to kind of follow what their guidelines are. But, and the nice thing with Subway is they have kind of a variety of menu options. Um, when I was in Connecticut, I had a falafel sub for the first time. Yeah. I didn't know that even existed. And if I wanted to in my store, if I thought it would sell, I can purchase that falafel sub and put it on it. Or different states have different kind of unique quirks that people in Arizona like a different type of food than we like up here. So if I want to get like a Santa Fe chicken, I can go. And if it's profitable for me, again, that's one of those things where you have to kind of look at your market and see. And that's where the corporate or like the local regional office can help with that. You can see how those kind of subs would do in your area because that's what you're kind of paying your royalties for. Sure. They can do that. They do that market research for you. Oh, man. So you don't have to. I'm going to end up getting a falafel sub. Like, so, we're convincing him to get falafel up here. Like, let's do this. <laughs> well, Nick and I, I mean, we admittedly, we've said it before. We're fat guys. Factual statement. And so him and I both were so disappointed with Subway. That's you know I'm going there. Oh, of course. Because they got rid of the Subway Club. I mean, they, what they, the hell, Justin? They didn't get rid of it, right? They just they took the they took the roast, roast beef, beef away, away and put bacon on it. Like I wouldn't notice. I mean, some things are out of our controls. Like you can't you can't handle everything. So you things said, are made from like you said I can get Santa Fe chicken and falafel, but all of a sudden I can't, I can't get roast beef. Like, but if it's something that they aren't selling and eat more from the top down, then if we can't get our hands on it, then we can't do it to you guys, obviously. Justin, I'm telling you right now, you need to tell corporate they need to bring the roast beef back because I literally, I, I've been a Subway customer since I was like 14 years old and 99% of the subs I have bought were the Subway Club. I walked in, I walked in, I was like, hey, let me get a Subway Club and they like throw bacon and I was like, I think you and I got a difference of what a club is, my friend. And he's like, like what? He's like, no, oh, we don't have roast beef anymore. I was like, you could have told me that 10 minutes ago. Like, no. <laughs> so, um, right. So we did this last time. We did this last time where we were talking about, hey, America, if you want to make a change, you got to you got to go out. And then all of a sudden the the stock market, like yep. the people went against it. So we think we have like the world's biggest influence. Um, hey, America, we seen what happened to McDonald's with the orange high C. I mean, that shit took 20 years. Yeah. But let's get, let's get let's, if you want to wait eight years. Back out there. Back. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, um, so, you know, we, we, we talk about McDonald's and I know you're not in that franchise, but, you know, I remember when I worked at McDonald's for two whole weeks. Um, two weeks. Yeah. You know, uh, it, I, I was told that you had to have like a million dollar net worth just to even be able to purchase a, a, a McDonald's, right? Like you, not, not just anyone, like, but you had, like, that was your minimum qualification from Subway. They, they only wanted from McDonald's accredited investors from McDonald's, not Subway. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh yeah. So like say from McDonald's, right? So to, to buy any of them, like you had to be an accredited investor now that I know what accredited means. Right. Um, is there any qualifications? Like can, can just anybody buy a subway or do they have um, certain things that, that you need to qualify for? Basically, if you can afford to purchase a subway, they're not going to stop you from buying it. Now it's not as easy as I'm not going to go take $50,000 down to the corporate or to the local business, the, the regional business office. I'm not going to bring $50,000, $75,000 there and be like, 
here's money, give me a franchise. Sure. You have to go through, they're going to make you kind of go through the ringer and make sure that you actually want to purchase that so you know what you're getting. But ultimately, if you are interested in purchasing a subway, you can go through and you, me, off the street, like, I didn't have a net worth of anywhere near a million dollars. But it's going down there, proving that you are financially able to afford it, one, because they don't want to put you in a situation where you're going to fail. But then also that you have the determination to run that franchise because they love owners that are involved in the franchise. And the one that we took over, the owner wasn't super involved in that one. And it showed the, like I said earlier, like the food costs and everything was our way. The store wasn't cleaned properly. And it just, it showed of neglect. Did they, so you want did to they own it for quite a while? Yeah. The person that we purchased from owned it for a while. And it was one of her lower performing stores. But she neglected the store and sure. was surprised that it didn't do well. So that's one of those things that led us into thinking like, all right, we got it fairly cheap because it was in bad shape. And I mean, kind of like when you buy a house, if you buy a fixer upper, right? You look at a house like, oh, they want nothing for this. I can flip this and make money on it, no problem. Yeah. Well, there's problems, but it's you have that kind of There's always problems. <laughs> yeah. But it's that same thing here where you got to look into it and say like, can I actually make this store profitable? And what steps would I have to take to make it profitable? But I mean, it's nice because like I said, like you can go from never never owning a franchise, never working in a subway to showing the actual determination and drive to work one and to own one and purchase one and kind of get that ball rolling. Once you get the, once you agree on a sale, anybody can, anyone can do it. Sure. Well, what I really like hearing there too is they make you prove that this is something you actually want. So, I mean, we've had some emails and such from people going, hey, you should open up a location up here, yeah. you know, wherever that may be. And Don and I always talk to each other and we're like, hey, listen, you're trading on our name at that point. I'm not sure I want anybody trading on my name. And Subway's at least, you know, they, they have a great proven system and they're saying, hey, you got to jump through these hoops. And if you jump through these hoops, you're good to go. Yeah, they give you the tools to be successful. And that's kind of what the training is when you go to Connecticut for two weeks. And it's not just here's two weeks. No problem. We're not going to talk to you ever again. It's two weeks of training there. And it's five days a week, like eight, 10, 12 hour days of working on figuring out how to run it. And then also when you get back, somebody from that regional business office is going to be in your franchise with you kind of holding your hand for the first week minimum, if not like extend it out to make sure like, you know what you're doing because, and we've all been in a situation where you learn something and then when you're told to go do it, you're like, wait a minute now, I actually have to do this myself. It's yeah. more stressful. So they have that person there to kind of be like, Hey, let me kind of hold your hand and make sure like, you know how to do this because that's how the franchise, that's how the corporate franchise owners there that's how they make their money the more money i make like you were saying like it's nice if you make fifty thousand or a hundred thousand you're still paying that x percentage but x of 50 is a lot less than x of 100 and x of 200 so it's they want you to be successful because that's how they stay in business and the more successful you are the more likely you are to purchase multiple franchises and that's ultimately kind of the goal because once you get to that owning two three four five franchises then you go from making sixty, eighty thousand dollars a year to looking at making three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Now, more risk, more responsibilities. You have higher overheads in that situation, 
but that's where they want everybody to kind of get to because they know if I own one franchise, I'm, I'm going to run it hard. I want it to be successful, but if I own five, I don't want, I can't afford this to fail. I want every single one of them to be as profitable as possible because that's going to make me a lot of money. Sure. Um, so you mentioned that corporate owns, corp, corporate, they own their own franchises or buildings or whatever. Do you know what the percentage is of like corporate owned subways versus small business or, you know, like mom pop shop type thing? Like what the percentage like, of that is? Like the franchisee versus corporate ownership? Yeah, yeah. Um, it varies by the region, really depends on how like strapped the economy is in that region. You find the ones that are a little bit more economically strapped that have higher corporate owned franchises because if I go through tomorrow and I walk away, close my doors, well, corporate's not going to just say, well, yeah, that building's closed, it's terminated, whatever. They're going to take over, they're going to operate that building. And I'm sure other franchises have similar agreements in place where if you fail to meet their standards that they have, that they can litigate against you to take your business, take your franchise license away. So it kind of depends. It's There's not a broad blanket number for like oh, over corporate X amount of franchises are owned by corporate, but it really depends on, especially in this, in this economy we are right now with how each owner handled the crisis individually. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, and I think each owner is going to deal with it so, so different. You know, I mean, when the shutdowns happen, we've seen it through all a bunch of businesses. Like, you know, my my company, when I was working there, right, like they kicked everybody home except for they were like, oh, we're going to find loopholes to get people back to work. And other companies were like, nope, we're just going to play it safe and and do it. Right. And, um, you know, I, we all know, like I worked for Gentex, which made mirrors, Magda Donnelly made, you know, and they make mirrors. So like, Gentex handled it so differently than Magna. Um, so, you well, know, and, and I know like when we hit the pandemic, yeah. Um, Subway was running a lot of deals with ordering online. So I hopped on my app one day, I ordered, you know, lunch for Dawn and I, Yep. and she went to pick it up and there were people in line that were pissed off because they were doing the online orders before the people that were in front of them. Hmm. Now, has that changed or is that a thing or was that an issue per I store? Mean, the way, the way I personally like to handle it, and it is depending on the store, some of the stores will prioritize different aspects of it. But my own personal idea is I do the first one, first come, first serve. Like if you're waiting in line and like say this online order came in before you got in line, like, Hey, sorry, I got this online order real quick. Pound it out. Once I get it done, then I'm going to move on to you. Like, that's kind of what it is because ultimately the person that placed the order online, they're coming in to pick up that sandwich, just like you're coming in to pick up that sandwich. They just placed it before you did. So it's the same thing. Like if you were to call in and say, Hey, can I get four subs? This is what I want. Then yeah, sure. When you're going to be here, I'll make it for you. Now I'm not going to have you wait when you call an hour ago for your sandwiches because I got busy. I'm going to get your sandwiches out the way because you called and placed the order first. Sure. Um, so, you know, do you have a non-compete clause when you own a subway? Like, can, so you, let's say, right. You're, you're in a partnership. Okay. And you like it. So you're with your brother-in-law, but you also said that earlier, you worked for a Jimmy John's. Can you own part of a subway? Can you own part of a Jimmy John's, um, a blimpy? I mean, 
you know, uh, yeah, no, there's a there's there's a no compete clause in that situation. Okay. Um, there's kind of it's a gray area with other quick service restaurants, depending on the type of service that that quick service restaurant offers, and also where that is. Um, I know some franchises have issues with if you have a franchise within a certain amount of miles of it, and then you can't own another business of a certain type. Now, I can't go work for Jimmy John. I can't own a Jimmy John's franchise. I can't own a Blimpy franchise, anything like that, because that's obviously in direct competition for me. But it's the same thing with a McDonald's. I can't go and buy a McDonald's down the street because ultimately we're both quick service restaurants. And if I want people to come to my McDonald's, then I'm losing money for my subway and vice versa. So you have kind of, it's an interesting, I haven't looked too much into the non because I'm not looking to diversify from that. But sure. if I recall correctly, it's if there's not a franchise in that area for X miles, then you can open up a different type of franchise, but you can't open up one that is strictly competitive against your company. Sure. Oh, huh. That, I say, and that's, you know, it's, a, it's interesting to me because, right, like, Monopoly me says, man, I want to own one Burger King, one McDonald's, one Jimmy John's, like, <laughs> one of each, you know, I want to own a Chinese restaurant, an Italian restaurant, like, that way you're hitting everybody. Dude, everybody, like, and everybody's just buying from my shit, like, yeah. I think, I want to own the buffet, <laughs> so, right? Like, you know, I, you know, I don't look at it as competing. I look at it like there's everybody's not gonna eat the same shit. We have eight restaurants in town. I own seven of them. I'm getting somebody's money. Yeah, right. You know, and that's that's kind of how I look at it. So, um, you know, so I and when it comes to uniforms, okay, this has always been a question. Like, do you guys have to purchase them from Subway or? Um, do they supply your uniforms for you guys? So you can purchase them from Subway. Okay. From oh, we like a little. They will usually roll out some for you. Let's say, way to go, David, making the guy freeze up on us. Let's say, all I did was sit here. Oh, there you are. Okay. Oh. All right, let's try that again. You guys got me or no? Um. We. We will here in a second. Yeah, just give us half a second here, internet issues. So try that again with the uniforms. Hey, don't look at me. You know, I have the fastest internet here. And everybody knows I'm the most technology savvy person. Horribly great person. Oh, poor Justin. Are you still with us, Justin? Look at him. He's just like, I'm stuck. Yep, he is totally stuck. Hang on. Hang on. We might be back. There you are. Hey! hey! Our internet cracked recording. out on us. We're going to have to cut that out for everybody that's watching. I'm like, is this me? Is this you? Yeah, that's our fault. Uh, you know, so we're not going to call it technical difficulties. We're going to call it David doesn't know how to work technology um, because I can't take blame because I don't do shit. Fuck you, Nick. Yeah, that's Anyways, how life works. So back to, <laughs> we, we lost you right before we started talking uniforms. Yeah. Yes, uniform. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to roll through the question again or just pick up yeah, on that. Say, we're going to give it one more shot. So uniforms, does corporate supply you guys with uniforms or do you guys have to go out and find like your own embroidery people? <laughs> do they give you the rights to the, to the design for that? So the uniforms, you buy them all from Subway Corporate. Uh, you buy them, you can give your employees. Usually we give our employees a few of the shirts free when they first start. And then if they want to purchase more, we give them the opportunity to buy them more. 
I do it at cost. I don't need to make money off of you trying to dress to work for me. Sure. Like, if I require you to wear a uniform, I don't want to have to charge you extra money for that uniform. It's, I don't know, it's each owner's different. Some owners I know will charge an extra like five bucks because they don't want the hassle of trying to do it. But I let them know out the bat, like, hey, if you want two, three uniforms, it's going to cost you this. If we get 10 uniforms, then I can get free shipping on it. So if you want to talk to your coworkers and get together and all of you guys buy two or three of them, I, you guys can save money that way. I don't, I don't want to, I want to make money off of selling stuff. I don't want to make money off my employees. Sure. They're here to work for me. I want them to be as successful as they can be. Um, interestingly enough about the logo and stuff like that is we do have access to different logos, different sales points, things like that, that we're allowed to promote personal ads sometimes you're going to a subway you see it like the store will have like a banner that says like oh on sunday you can get three subs for the price of two yeah that's the one, the one by my house does that it's great yeah it's dinner time right there yeah, but sick. you can go on the corporate website and they have access to the trademark the registered copyrighted in logos and all of everything they have and i mean with a franchise like subway there's hundreds of different things to choose from versus like just the word subway, just the S like everything in there. You can kind of choose and kind of tailor make to fit your idea for what you're trying to advertise. So I know when I worked at Wendy's um, for the first year we worked there, they gave you food half off any day you worked. After that, it was free any day you worked, but I, the only exception was Frosties, which is what everybody wants. This is a freaking frosty. So what we would do is we would order the most expensive thing on the menu, which was a triple cheeseburger combo. Yeah, of course. So that way, you know, we could get something expensive. <laughs> do, do they do anything like that at Subway, Justin? I mean, do you, you know, if you're working, um, you I always give, I always give my employees, regardless of any shift they work, free six inch meal, get a sub, drink. I mean, they get drinks the whole time they're working. I don't limit that whatsoever. Um, and then bag of chips also. If you're working does, an does eight cookies included? or a longer shift. What? Is cookies included? If you want cookies instead of the chips, yeah, you get two cookies. Just like you can combo off that subway. If you want two cookies instead of chips, you can make that combo if you want. Are you, are you hiring for like, but, let's say, three minutes a day? Nick <laughs> yeah. just wants cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I try to do it too. Like if you're working, because I mean, we have a lot of, we have a varying age group of employees so some people are only working three four hours a day because they're minors trying to meet whatever hours they can get and we also have some adults that are working there for paychecks so if you work an eight hour shift or more i try to have it personally where i give you a foot long that you can however you want to do it because i mean you're here for eight hours you got to eat and i don't want you to have to bring food from home if you're working in a place that sells food like it's those things where I'm under no obligation to do that. And different franchises handle that completely differently. Sure. Um, it depends on the franchisee. I just do that because yes, it's going to bite into my bottom line, but I'd rather have a happier employee that isn't trying to go somewhere else for food. Like he might buy a sub for my, he might get his sub from my place and be like, man, we went home for my mom now. Like, cool. Yeah. Buy a sub for you. Like have your free sub and then buy one for your mom by all means. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a minimal cost to make employees happier. So when we talk about employees, I mean, when you're owning it now, do you got, you guys do your own HR. Um, right. So you hire and fire everybody yourselves as the owner. And then yep. um, 
I mean, do you, does, does Subway have like a set standard of what you have to give your employees? Like, um, can you can you say, hey, you need a certain amount of full time employees. You need to offer insurance. Like, do they have like certain things, or is it really just like you kind of you get to make all the choices you want with your employees? Yeah, I get to make all the choices myself. I don't need to have anything other than what I what I determine I need to run my franchise. Okay. <laughs> Sure. And that's a say, you know, um, that's like a great thing to have is, you know, again, as you said, you can have younger kids and you can have older guys who are there to make paychecks. I mean, um, and the younger kids are, I like having the high schoolers that are working because ultimately, I mean, you can determine based off your sales history, how many employees you need for any given time period. Yep. But usually you need that dinner rush covered, but you don't need four people at nine o'clock at night. So, yeah, I'll have a few high schoolers come in, work three hours a day, Monday through Friday, and they're getting their hours that they can get because of all like the minor laws with that. But also, it's covering my lunch rush, yeah. or my dinner rush. I mean, like coming on coming on Saturday, I'll let you work X amount of hours because cover my rushes basically. Sure. <clears throat> so we only have limited time left here. We do. So, is there anything you wanted to hit really hard towards the end here? I mean, everything, right? Like I'm, I'm on this knowledge of let's just start buying subways. I mean, um, it's a great franchise to own. Like the way the ownership, the corporate ownership is set up or that it's, they really strive to make your business as successful for you as it can be. Like, cause again, like they want you to be invested in it. And if you're making $15,000 a year on your store and you're working 70 hours a week, you're not going to be that invested after a while you're going to burn out pretty quick. So they want you to be successful. They want to put you in place to make as much money as possible. You know, I, I know we didn't ask a million questions and there's always a million things. So um, we talked about how to buy an existing subway. What if I wanted to build one or like open one? We, we see it all the time in Meyer, right? Like yep. Mike Meyer went from Chase to uh, Huntington. Flagstar yeah. to Huntington to, um, I don't even know if they have a bank in there right now. Right. But um, we're like, we find, that, we find that subways are mostly in Walmarts right now. Um, if I wanted to put one somewhere, how, I mean, how do I do that? Same, same, I go back to that corporate that you're talking about and. Yeah, you go through there. It's a little bit different because you're not looking to purchase the subway from somebody you're looking to build one. So you need to find an area one that isn't saturated with subways. Cause if I own a franchise in this corner and you want to open up another one in the same block, then that's going to cause an issue for me. So you need to find a spot that you actually have open availability for a subway to fit into it and they'll do and i mean it's they're they're way smarter at this than i am because they'll go through and do like the market research in that area to let you know if a building there is likely to be profitable if it's not going to be profitable, like what kind of you can what you can expect for it but also they'll help hold your hand through it and understand if you want to build a standalone franchise like that you're going to be looking at three hundred four hundred thousand dollars just to build it because you're building from the ground up so your cost in something like that is pretty high where if you buy an existing one and turn that one into a better spot, because you can buy one that is in the area you want and kind of renovate that one, turn that one into the business you're looking for. They're not going to stop you from spending your money how you want to. If you want to go and find a location that you think a subway will work, you bring it up to them, tell them these are your plans. If they approve it, then you bring it down and get working on it. But Ultimately, they don't want you to put, they don't want you to spend 
four or $500,000 of your own money to build something that's going to fail. Because that's not helping them at all. That's hurting the brand image by having something that's there for eight weeks and then it's gone. Sure. No, that's great. Like you don't really hear about that from like franchise. Yeah. You just think that franchises are greedy, filthy people that, you know, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care, but like to care about the brand, to care about their name and not just want somebody to drop 400,000 bucks. Like, even if you have it, that, that's like, that's awesome to hear. Um, you know, we've asked you a million questions. Anything that you have on your side for us that you want to tell us that we might've missed? Um, I'd say like a big thing, if I didn't hit on enough is to go and keep that communication open with the support system that's going to be in place for you. Because ultimately when you're coming into, if you're a new franchisee, you're not going to know everything. I worked in sub shops for a better part of a decade before I bought one. And I ran them, I was managers of them. And it's completely different when you're the one that has to do every small detail. You have to do all the interviewing, hiring, firing, getting ads out there to try to get people. A lot of people use like Indeed and services like that to try to find new hires, going through all those steps to try to find it. And don't think that you're in it alone. There's even other franchisees that you can go and talk to to try to get you the support that you need if you're struggling in something. Because if we both own subways and we're in the same neighborhood, if mine goes and looks really bad, that might make you not want to buy from another subway. So you want to make sure like everybody's kind of in this, like we want the brand to be as successful as possible. So lean on the support system because ultimately their goal is for you to make money. Your goal is for you to make money. So use that, put them to work for you. You're paying them. If like all the royalties and stuff, they get taken out of your monthly income. That's what you're paying them. That's how you're paying them. So you're paying them to do that support for you. So really lean on those people and use them as the resources that they actually are. Sure. No, and that's, that's huge. Like you don't find, you don't find many support things. Like I yeah. say, it's great. Um, you know, I want to let you know, Hey, we really appreciate your time. Um, I had a, I had a few, I want to give a big shout out to uh, my English friends, uh, Eagle Brewing. Uh, my banana bread beer was fantastic. Uh, I still have, you know, one left or so, and uh, I'll be finishing those after we're done with this call. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for Mackenzie's and Rourke. Um, I, Nick, I got to tell you before we get off here, I got I have some upcoming stuff that's going to be really, really fun. So talked to Vanessa the other day, who we did our second debt talk with. Yeah, she's got really exciting news for us on an upcoming episode. If, if you're just going to tell me that she has to prove me wrong, I'm okay with this. I'm excited for this. Uh, it's it's going to be really exciting. And I, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'm going to tell you it's going to be exciting. Um, sure. The financial consult I did a couple of weeks ago with Steven, he's yeah. going to be on the show pretty soon. He, he started his Roth IRA. So he's making moves. Uh, Justin, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Yeah, I say, you know, I had a blast with you guys. Thanks. I say it's a, uh, I hope, I hope you find the next few. And uh, when you want a franchise uh, partnership up in the Granville one, just let me know. I'll just throw money at it and you, you do all the hard work. Okay. Cause I, daddy just wants to sit back for a while. <laughs> so take care. Enjoy the family. <laughs> take it easy. As usual. We will see all of you guys next week.